Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Ephesians chapter 2 and reading for our text, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 13. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he writes to them as those that have been called by God and blessed. They are already saved, they're already believers, and he writes to them to convey to them what blessings they actually have as believers. Now sometimes we could have a natural thing. Many people you hear of having perhaps a family heirloom in their home and they don't know the value of it. And then they go and have it valued and they realise that all the time this thing that they've had sitting around in the home is actually worth a very lot of money. And the Apostle here writing to the Ephesians writes to them to let them know what exactly has happened to them in becoming a believer. He tells them in chapter 1 that he would have them to to know uh, that the power that had been put forth in them was the same power which was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. A believer is a miracle. They are the subject not of just their own choice, but of the powerful, effectual working of God. And so he also wants them to know and praise that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of his calling. Verse 18, chapter 1, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints These are things that they are in possession of as believers and as being called and blessed, and yet they are to really know exactly what they are in possession of. And then in chapter 2, he again is speaking of not you will he quicken, but you have he quickened. The Lord has made them alive. They were dead in in trespasses and sins. And in this chapter especially, he is looking at, uh, from a position of being saved, what they were. And really it's the clearest we can see. Those that are still dead in trespasses and sins, they can't look back to what they were because there's no change, there's no difference. But those that are made alive and the change has taken place, they can look back. The Apostle Paul could look back to the Damascus Road and what was before the Damascus Road and he could clearly see there was a change wrought there. And that is what the Apostle is setting before the Ephesians here. This is a Gentile church. So he also uses not only the state that they are in personally, but also as Gentiles to be complete strangers to Israel. They weren't under Israel's laws. 
They weren't part of that covenant. They were uncircumcised. They were, as he says, without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The contrast in the Old Testament with the Lord's special people and his blessing to be upon them Uh, The other nations did not have those privileges of blessings. Yes, we have Ruth that was brought out of the Moabites. We have Rahab from Jericho. But very few were called from the Gentile world. The blessing of the Lord was predominantly upon his people. But now it is very, very different. And that's why in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, when The Apostle Paul went to Mars Hill, to Athens, and he sees them worshipping all these different uh, gods, all these altars for different gods, and then one, just in case they miss one out, to the unknown God. Then he declares unto them that God that they ignorantly worshipped, in him we live and move and, and have our being. And then he points out again the the difference in time past God allowed all nations to just go after their idols and on their own way that now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent not an evangelical spiritual repentance which only the Lord Jesus Christ is able to give to a people exalted to give repentance and remission of sins unto Israel unto spiritual Israel but it is in a way that Christ only is to be looked for for salvation. You will not, no nation is to be pointed anywhere else but to Christ, but to the salvation of the Bible. And that's where they are to expect it, not anywhere else. If you believe not that I am he, you shall perish in your sins. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And it is, it is a very clear message and command to all nations that they have no excuse now in looking for salvation in any other way, in any other place than in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the apostle here is telling these Ephesians what they had in Christ and how they were blessed in him. And so, uh, having explained it in the way of applying to Gentiles and the Gentiles brought in, and we covered this a little in our young people's last nine, but where we have the uh, Gentiles brought into the, with with the Jews, uh, the Lord's saying in John 10 that uh, there are other uh, sheep that I must bring, Others which are not of this fold, there shall be one fold and one shepherd, and uh, those two being uh, of twain are made one flesh and brought into one bond. And we think of the the prophecies also that are speaking of in the day of Christ that the gospel that shall flow forth from Jerusalem half toward the former sea, half toward the hinder sea, half toward the Jews, half toward the Gentiles, and they are partakers of that gospel. And so uh, the apostle here 
apostle to the Gentiles, he uh, makes them to know that great blessing. And we, as Gentiles, do well to look on these portions of the scripture and quite apart from the blessing, and I want to apply it in a moment to all believers and how the Lord works in a believer's heart and brings about the, the blessings that are in our text. But it's good for us to not take for granted and, and, and just pass over these passages where in the early church, the Gentile church is being highlighted. What a blessing. It is not just the Jews now. It is the Gentiles. We have a valid right to the blessings of the gospel. And to, to pass over that is passing over many of the epistles. You think of that, the Gentile church, they had to be convinced. They had to be told, look, you, you are not just trespassing where you shouldn't. You are not robbing these blessings this has always been appointed, it's always been God's plan, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's brought it about. And we, we, we need that, that, that ground and that foundation to expect any blessing from God at all. And it is provided in the word of God. And in fact, the apostle further, he goes back to the Old Testament for the church of God. And he said, those things were written aforetime, are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the gospel might have hope. And so we have, as in, in preaching the gospel today, that rich treasury of all the word of God as the Lord showed the way on the way to Emmaus in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. All the scriptures, they point unto Christ. Ought not Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? The Old Testament saints look forward to Christ, believing faith in him, and we look back and, and have faith in that same Redeemer and Saviour. So I want to look this evening, especially thinking of the first words of our text is, but now. And this is where he has shown what they are. They, they are now in a position of being saved and being blessed. And so what follows is a contrast, what it is now, what position they are in now. And maybe just to, to pause there for us each personally and maybe think back, and certainly I can think back to uh, days of unregeneracy and to think, but now. But now it is different. Now in a different relationship in, in a position that once I was not in at all and it's a blessed thing if we can come in with that but now and our mind has gone back to years ago or perhaps not so many years ago and where the Lord has made made a difference we are not now what we once were I think it was John Newton said, but I am not now what I one day will be. And, but he 
knew that by the grace of God there had been a change, there was a difference. So there's three things. But now we were far off, I want to look at that first. And then secondly, but now we are in Christ Jesus. And thirdly, but now we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And so firstly, but now we were far off. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometime were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And this is a picture, is a picture of a sinner that is in nature's darkness. Adam, when he sinned, he was banished from the Garden of Eden. And sin separates. Sin means that we cannot come into the presence of God. We're under the sentence of death and that we cannot, cannot come near at all as a sinner. Nothing unclean, nothing vile, nothing defiled at all is able to approach unto a holy God. We think of the tabernacle with the veils, the outer veil, the inner veil, and all the time there's that barrier, there's that separation, and the people of God will know in looking back just how far off they were by sin, how much a stranger to the things of God, how shut out they were, how distant they were, how that they were dead, they had no light, they had no hearing ear, they had no feeling, they had no sense of their position, that they were shut out from God. And here the verse prior gives a, a most solemn description, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And it, in one sense, describes a sinner that is still in nature's darkness. Those here, those not yet called, not blessed in Christ, no hope without God in the world. And there is no in-between position. It is either saved or lost. It's either in Christ or out of Christ, and looking back can be seen more clearly what our state and what our condition was truly in. Far off, sometimes we're far off. There's many ways that the natural condition can be described. The word says that we are full of wounds and bruises, putrefying sores, no soundness in us because of our sin. Uh, as it says here, aliens, uh, enemies to God, hymn 76, at peace with hell, with God at war, in sin's dark maze, we wander far. And as concerning Christ, there is no form nor comeliness in him that we should 
his eye hand, there's no beauty, no attraction that we see in him. And in many ways that the fallen state of man could be described, but here there's the simple description as being far off, a distance. And you know, I believe that when the Lord begins to work a work of grace and gives life, and gives to know and begin to know the state and condition of the soul, this is one of the marks of that grace. Thou feel the distance, feel afar off. You know, dear Ruth, in the book of Ruth, she'd already been brought from Moab right through into Bethlehem, the drawing of the Lord, she loved the Lord's people, she loved the Lord and she desired to be with them, but she still felt the far off. She says, though I not be like one of thine handmaidens, she, she felt that distance and not like the people of God. And it will be that which is felt when the eyes are opened, that there is a distance, there is a need to be brought nigh, and we cannot by nature bring ourselves nigh, and that malady will be known and felt. And I say to the encouragement of those here, although it be listening, have we ever felt far off from the Lord? Has it pained us to be at a distance from the Lord? from his people, from the promises, from the blessings. We are far off, removed, cast out, as it were, and we feel it. We feel it painfully. And I say this, I believe, here with the Ephesians, they're able to look back and to see what they were. But do we feel it now? And are we able to look back? Some may be able to look back and see it, and others may feel it now. And their desire is, how is it that I can be brought nigh? How can I approach unto God? How shall I be found with him at last? How shall I be found at his right hand? How shall I be placed amongst the children of God? How shall I be found in the church of God? Well, the word of the text, it gives the, the answer. It gives the answer in the language of those that have been brought nigh as to how they were brought nigh. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, made nigh by the blood of Christ. So secondly, but now we are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? There's a beautiful type with the Ark of Noah, Noah's Ark, this is when God was going to destroy the world through, with water and because of man's sin, 
And Noah by faith made an ark to saving of his house. And when the time came, the Lord said, Come, come thou. The Lord was in that ark and he bade Noah and all those that were to be with him to come into the ark. And in a way it's a beautiful time of Christ. The Lord shut him in. And if you look at that ark, when they're all shut in, all you see is the ark. You don't see any of those that are in it. And then when the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the rain descended, it was the ark that bore the rain, an ark that bore up. That was bearing it all. And those that are inside it, they were all sheltered. They were all provided for. And they were all brought over that year and a bit uh, to the, the other side when the waters uh, abated. And in that way, it's, it's a beautiful time to be found in the ark. I know when my mother was blind and dying and praying in the night, this is one of her constant prayers. Open the ark and take me in. She could see such a beauty in it. And the Lord did bless her as she was taken with such peace and, and quietness as the Lord brought her in and blessed her in her soul. But in experience, how, how is that? Feelingly, it is in his covenant, in that covenant ordered in all things and sure. The Lord said of his people, thine they were the fathers and thou gavest them me. You have in chapter 1 of Ephesians verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him. It doesn't say hath chosen us before the foundation of the world. It says in him that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so that covenant in Christ, that is where a believer is proved to be and realise that they are. We only know it by calling. We go back to another type in the Old Testament, Mephibosheth's son. He did that he was in the covenant. I doubt he even knew there was a covenant or agreement between David and Jonathan, that David would show kindness to Jonathan's seed. He actually made it to Saul as well. And making it to Saul, it was really the same because, of course, Jonathan was Saul's son. And when David then was king, he sought to honour that covenant. Is there any? Is there any that I may for their sake, but for Joseph that covenant? Mephibosheth was brought nigh, in fact, to sit at his and all his affairs looked after, though he was lame in both his feet. All that mattered was that he was in that covenant made that involved him, but it was made between David and Jonathan. It is to be in his church. There's only one church. And it's spoken of later on in Ephesians 
as the bride of Christ. And a bride that he is forming uh, for himself beautifully in chapter 5. And uh, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. It is to be in his church. And then that would extend also in the church that is evident on earth, the visible church entrance into it by confession of faith as the eunuch did and by baptism as he was baptized and the early church as they continued then in the ordinance of the lord's supper this to show forth the lord's death till he come in christ is to be in his church is also to be in his righteousness. There is provided for those for whom Christ has died a righteousness that is not their own making, but is Christ's making. And with that they are clothed and decked about. In the Song of Solomon, we have the language of the spouse there. I am black. That is how she felt in herself, yet comely. In Christ she is perfect and pure and spotless, in herself nothing but sin and disgrace. Righteousness of Christ does not blot out our sins, it does not cover our sins, it is the blood of Christ that does that, but it is the righteousness of Christ that makes us meet to stand in the presence of God, faultless before his throne, not naked. We, we, we need a righteousness and that is provided by God and not by ourselves. Also we are found in his care. We read about with the church how the church is cared for even as the husband cares for the wife. But it's a better thing to be put under the care, under the care of the Lord. He careth for you. Now we know that even before called and quickened by grace, the Lord is watching over and caring over his people. But having been called, it is a great privilege to realise, he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of mine eye. Ye are my purchased possession, ye are my inheritance. And the Lord speaks about the sparrows that fall, not one without your heavenly Father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. You are found in Christ in that, uh, in the watchful care and protection of your God. Also, as in John 15, we are found in his living vine. Our Lord spoke the parable 
of the vine. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can ye, except ye abide in me. And it is in Christ, deriving that sap, that life from the root, that then there is the fruitfulness. So to be now in Christ Jesus, from me is thy fruit found. And the apostle says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And God's people will know and will prove that all that they have is because of their position in Christ the living vine and needing to receive that life from that vine. Another way of being in Christ is to be in his love and the Lord having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He says the Father himself loveth you uh, and he, he exhorted them, abide in my love. But what a depth of love. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And Christ will rest in his love, and that love that he has for his dear people. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And in Christ Jesus, the people of God are in his love. You think of a child in a family. They're in the love of the parents. They're in the love of that family. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed, in that ye love one another. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that say he loved God must love his brother also and is bound up together and we love him because he first loved us. It's also to be in his peace. The Lord says in John 16 verse 33, My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you uh, and how he sets forth in the world ye shall have tribulation, but in me, in me, ye shall have peace in Christ, in all that he has for the people of God, in all of the provision that they shall find in him. It is a position, like as in the illustration of the ark, that everything is provided. And when we think of what was said of Noah, the Lord shut him in. The security of the people of God. The Apostle Paul, when he uh, finished in, in writing with the Romans 8, how he was persuaded uh, that, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Where is that love of God? Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is bound up every blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 35, 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And no longer far off, but actually found in the love of Christ, in Christ Jesus. But then thirdly, there's a being made nigh by the blood of Christ. How did they get into this position of in Christ? How were they brought nigh? And the apostle would have these Ephesians know how it was that they were made nigh and that it was made nigh by the blood of Christ. And we would go to the covenant again, the blood of the covenant, that which the church of God is to remember at every observance of the Lord's Supper. In Matthew 26, we have the word as the cup is introduced. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament or New Covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so uh, made nigh by that blood of the covenant. Also brought nigh by the blood that was shed. Bought by blood. The Apostle Paul says, Ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are his. And it is that then that brings nigh because the debt is paid, the debt that was owed is, is settled. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The Lord demands the shedding of blood. When that is shed, then there is no reason for banishment. There is no reason at all that there cannot be a bringing nigh. Also it is sheltered by the blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, the Passover lamb in Egypt. It was first instituted and highlighted that all those nine times the children of Israel were there in Egypt. And what did they want to do? They wanted to go out and to worship God. They couldn't. They had no liberty, they were captives, they were in bondage. They couldn't worship, they couldn't be set free, they couldn't go nigh unto the place where God was until the blood was shed. And then they were set free and then they went out as a nation to the Mount of God and there they met with God, received his commandments, received the uh, tokens of their covenant there. And so in, in that Passover, not only were they released, but of course they were sheltering under that blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. We mentioned before, as great a love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And the Lord laid down his life for the sheep. 
I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay it down that I may take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And so it is the being made nigh by the blood of Christ. And in the experience the Lord has said, And I, if I be lifted up above the earth, would draw all men unto me. And in John 6 he says, that no man can come unto me or be brought nigh unto me except the Father which sent me draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. And it is in the cross of Christ that the sinner is drawn. Again with the eunuch, as as Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, it was the suffering Saviour that was set before him, and that is what drew the eunuch, and that was what brought him uh, to confession of faith. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It will also be a being brought nigh by that blood applied to the conscience. And Paul writes to uh, the Hebrews. Uh, In chapter 10, he he says in in verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And it is the precious blood of Christ that takes away the guilt, removes the stain, makes that conscience free, as that soul clearly sees, very clearly, that it is Christ that died, yea, rather risen again, that sitteth at the right hand of the throne of God on high. The price is settled, the debt is paid, my sins on him laid, and the wrath of God falling upon the Lord. And it's when a soul clearly sees that, perceives it, believes it, rests in that, that the precious blood of Christ then draws nigh because is realising there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, to them, to them that are called, to them that are washed, to them that are no more in their own righteousness at all, but those that truly are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son, and in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. <clears throat> the Apostle speaks in that Romans 8, so much of a soul found in Christ, having his righteousness and brought nigh by the precious blood of Christ. What is the contrast in Romans 7? The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. A wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God 
through Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so it is in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are brought nigh. Every look in the Revelation, and we have the picture of those that are arrayed in white robes. And the question was asked, who are these? And whence come they? These are they that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne. And that's why they're nigh. That's why they're there. May we have our eyes solely upon the blood. This is why the Lord gives to the church the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. They do not lose sight of his sufferings, his death, his blood, because that is our only acceptance and the only way will be found in heaven at last. Father says, our Lord, he prays, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so may we know the blessings, and if we don't, be attracted and drawn to what it is to be not far off but to be brought nigh and to know that the only way of being brought nigh is through the precious blood of Christ and in being brought nigh what a blessing to prove that we are in Christ and in that position of safety that position that shall never ever be changed never cast out, never rejected, but found in him, not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of faith in Jesus Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The Lord bless the word. Amen.